Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Dateline, August 14, 2014, Ferguson, Missouri. Two young black men come out of a store carrying doubtless things that they had stolen. They encounter Officer Darren Wilson. Conversation happens between the two of them. One of the young men appears to be aggressive. And before the next few moments pass, he will be filled with 14 gunshot wounds and dies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Dateline. Aleppo, Syria, ISIS lines up 12 confessing Christians, two of them women, one of the women pregnant. Both women are beheaded before the other 10. And when the other 10 will not renounce their belief in Jesus of Nazareth, they are gunned down. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Those are conveniently far away from us, but we can draw it a little closer to home. Dateline, San Bernardino. How far is that away? 200 miles? Is this a riot? What's happening? But two gunmen in a recreational facility gun down in cold blood 14 people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a battle. What I'd like to do in just a moment is tell you a story. Now, it's not a story that I made up. It's a story you'll find right in the Bible that verifies what Paul is writing to the Ephesians. And the story goes like this. There I saw in heaven a portent, a woman clothed with the sun with her feet standing on the moon. She was pregnant, crying out in birth pangs, in the agony of giving birth. And then I saw a second portent, a great red dragon having seven horns, seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. With his great tail, he sweeps down a third of the stars of heaven and throws them to the earth. And then the dragon steps before the woman who is about to give birth to a son so that he might devour him when he is born. And the woman gives birth to a son who will rule the earth with a rod of iron. And immediately the child is snatched away and taken to the throne of God. The woman flees into the wilderness where there is a place prepared for her where she will be nourished 
for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Micah and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, and the dragon was defeated. There was no longer any room for him in heaven, and he was thrown down to earth. And then I heard the voice of a great angel crying out into the heavens, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And a child will be born to you. And those who conquer will conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Rejoice, O heavens, because the dragon has been thrown down. But woe to you, O earth, for he has come down to you, and his wrath is great. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown to the earth, he pursued the woman who had been given, who gave birth to the child. The woman was given the wings of the great eagle so she might flee into the wilderness to a place prepared for her where she will be nourished for a time, a times, and a half a time. When the dragon saw that the woman was escaping, he opened his mouth and there came from him a great flood of water that he might sweep the woman up in the flood. But the earth came to her her rescue and swallowed up the flood. When the dragon saw that he could not capture the woman, he stood on the shore, filled with wrath, waiting to make war on the children of the woman. This is the word of the Lord. So what do you make of that? Just when you thought Christmas was a lovely story, I call this Christmas Remixed because it's the story behind the story. While you're attending a myriad of Christmas parties and singing with warmly and joyfully great Christmas carols and songs, remember this, this child is a signal for war. We are at war in the world where we are, and our, our strength in the battle is the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of Jesus. Let me just explain that a little bit further. The blood of the Lamb. How is it that John the Baptist said it? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ's blood is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the blood of the Lamb alone cleanses us from all of our sins. Without the shedding of blood, says the witness of Hebrews, there is no forgiveness of sins. You, make the, you must make this one thing perfectly clear. The faith of the Christian is not based on a moral improvement theory. It is based on a redemptive act 
of God. There is no way on earth where we can, inch by inch, make ourselves better and finally be acceptable to God. It can't be done. The only acceptable form or presence before God is the signature of the blood of Jesus on your soul. Make no mistake about that. There is nothing that you can say to God about yourself, however good your life has been, that will make you acceptable before him. But the blood of the Lamb, which we will drink in just a few moments, is the marker that opens the doors of heaven and sets us free. I don't know if you had the same English curriculum in high school and college that I did, but a long time ago, I waded through a huge book by a Russian named Dostoevsky called The Brothers Karamazov. The story essentially turns around two brothers, Ilyosha and Ivan. Ivan is a steely-eyed atheist. He has no interest in the Christian faith at all, and he's brilliant. Alyosha is something of a dimwit. He has a great heart for God and is a genuine follower of Jesus, but he can't argue the faith. So in one poignant moment in the novel, Ivan is hog-tying Alyosha with all the atrocities of the earth, every evil, bad thing that had ever happened. And he says to Alyosha, so what do you think of your God now? What can he do? To which Alyosha only responds, I know this, there is someone somewhere who has shed his blood for everyone everywhere. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice is what makes us Christian believers. I've told you this before. I've been, a, I've been at the seminary now for 21 years. Somewhere in the midst of those years, Hope College, which is just adjoining our faculty, bought half of my time so that I could be the dean of the chapel by night at the college and professor of preaching by day at the seminary. Those were wonderful years, but exhausting. Now, when you're the dean of the chapel at the college, the big ticket item on your to-do list every week is to preach at the gathering. It's a worship service uh, for the college students. In a 900-seat chapel, a thousand, sometimes eleven 1, hundred college kids stream in. It's jammed and hot. A rock and roll band plays the loudest Christian music imaginable. And then finally, when that's done, an angel of the Lord stands up and proclaims the good news of Jesus. And it's not just a little proclamation, it's a proclamation as long as your leg. For four years, I got to be that angel. And then when that's done, college students are invited to come forward and to eat the body and to drink the blood of Jesus. And then if some have special need, they can come up on the platform and there'll be prayer waiting for them. I loved serving communion on Sunday night at the gathering. There they would come one after another. And I would say to them, 
the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, Diana, struggling as you are with an eating disorder. You're just trying to kill yourself. One ounce at a time, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Here comes Eric. Oh, Eric, hopelessly addicted to pornography. What will set him free? The blood of Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness, one after another. The central claim of the Christian faith is this, that in Jesus, we are forgiven, we are made whole. I'll say that again because you've got to respond. The central claim of the Christian faith is this, that in Jesus we are made right and we're made whole. Our battle is with the principalities and the powers, the spiritual forces in heavenly places, and our armament is the blood of Jesus. I was preceded as the dean of the chapel by a man named Ben Patterson. He's now the dean of the chapel out at Westmont College. I once heard one of the most remarkable pieces of spiritual advice I have ever heard in my life, Ben, given at the gathering to this large throng. He said to them, I want to give you a piece of advice. When the devil comes to you, and he insinuates and assaults you. He says all manner of evil to you that you have done. Don't argue with him. He has good evidence. He knows how you have sinned. He knows how you have fallen short. And he's happy to remind you of it so that you can be emotionally and spiritually hogtied and do nothing. Just say to him, All that you're saying to me is irrelevant. I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. The next time you get assaulted like that, just see how the devil turns and flees from you. We conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. By the word of our testimony. A little later in this same chapter, John will refer to the testimony of Jesus. You can collapse those two things. The word of our testimony is the testimony of Jesus and what he has done in our lives, how he has made us whole. Go ahead, think of it for a second. Where would you be? No, better, what would you be if Jesus Christ had not come into your life? Are you proud of every instinct in your flesh prior to the day when Jesus came into your life? Probably not. Our strength in the battle is the testimony of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. Make this one thing perfectly clear. The responsibilities of the Christian body are not merely to one another as we gather on Sunday morning. That is a piece of it. But our responsibility is worldwide. Our responsibility is to be that people who, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, now go and speak to a world dying for good news, It is your responsibility to make clear 
to people in your sphere of influence who Jesus is, what he has come to do, and how they can be appropriated in to this larger family of God by the blood of Jesus, the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And it has always been this way. You know, I've told you this before, I'm sure. I was born and raised on the seedy south side of Battle Creek, Michigan, in the government project housing that sprung up after World War II. For a set of reasons that I won't bother you with now, my parents were not Christian believers. If you can believe this or not, I never attended a worship service in my life until I became a college student 90 miles from home. And when I heard on the sands of Daytona Beach that first spring break of my college years, when I heard a Campus Crusade for Christ staff worker preaching at a gathering on the beach, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It was to me like sickum to a dog. Everything jumped inside of me. Jesus Christ was promising me that I could be somebody wholly different than what I was. Our testimony is this. We have been washed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. That young man from the University of Georgia was testifying to the unique power of Jesus to make people something that they are not naturally. And when I heard it, I was all over it. But it begs this question. Who's doing that now? Actually, I want you to come with me to Daytona Beach, Florida. This is just a few years ago. I was at a gathering of denominational leaders in Daytona Beach. I got up early one morning and walked the beach privately looking for the band shell where that University of Georgia staff worker was preaching to me 40 years before. I was a little dejected because I couldn't find the band shell. But everything turned for me when I returned to the hotel and there around the swimming pool was a group of college students in a Bible study. I love college students, so I just walked up and said, hey, what are you guys doing? And they told me they were studying the Gospel of John. And then they told me, get this, we're from the University of Georgia, and we're going to be doing beach evangelism later today. That's it. We conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So tell me, who are you going to speak with this week? Where will you speak to them? What will you say? Say to them, Jesus is Lord and his blood covers us from a multitude of sins. You know, if it's not you doing that, who will do that? If this isn't the moment in time, when will the moment come? God intends to do a great work through you and the work begins when you muscle up the courage to speak for Jesus. Will you do that? Will you do that, Tulare Community Church?
I mean, there are people here who need him. And you are the conduit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we lift ourselves before you, praying this, that you will make of us witnesses. Give us the courage to loosen our tongues and to speak clearly of him who loved us and gave himself for us to the end that everyone everywhere may know him. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.